Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Am I on? Good morning. So I am Kathy Spaulding. I am... Uh, I have the privilege of starting our series, um, our FIRE series. So if you are new to New Day and you don't know much about our church, um, we are part of a network of churches called Partners in Harvest. And Partners in Harvest has um, churches all over the world. And one of the things that they have as, a co- as their core values is called FIRE. And, they, and FIRE is our acronym for um, uh, Father Heart, intimacy, restoration, and extending the kingdom. And those are the things that we really value and that we go after. And normally, you would probably see me up here talking about extending the kingdom. A little different today, because I'm like, what? So, um, but I get to share with you today on um, intimacy. But before I do that, the fire value comes from Hebrews 12, 28 through 29. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So that's where we get the the value from. We want to see our God consume us and change us and transform us. So I, like I said, I get to talk about intimacy, and um, my first thought, which probably lots of yours, is intimacy within a marriage, and that's not this. Um, and so I am going to share with you today um, about intimacy and what that looks like in the Bible. And if you've heard me speak before, you know that um, I believe that the Bible is, a, is the greatest love story that was ever told. You know, the Bible shows the love story of a God who loved his people and chased after them and, and wanted them so much that he willingly gave up his son to die so that he could ransom them back. And that is the story of the Bible. And that is what we are focusing on today is the intimacy between that God and ourselves. But before we go to the Bible to find out what it says, we have to do what Anthony said two weeks ago and find out what the actual Webster definition is. And so Webster says the one thing that you're not supposed to do when you define a word is he uses the word in the definition, the state of being intimate, which I learned in school is the wrong thing to do. So I'm not exactly sure why he did that. But so we have to go to the second um, what, the second thing, the definition, which is a close, f- familiar, and, un- boy, that is really small. I made it big. Why is it small? Okay, sorry. I'm going to read it off my slide. Um, usually affectionate or loving personal relationship with another person or group. But right along with that is a close association with or detailed knowledge or deep understanding of a place, subject, period of history. You know, that's what we're going after, is a detailed knowledge of our God. And um, 
and a deep understanding of who he is. And intimacy is pronounced intimacy, but we've also heard it, at least I have, into me you see. And I think for a lot of us, and I know for myself, that it's very easy to look at intimacy and say, okay, I need to be open to what God has to say. I need to just tell him, as if he didn't know, the things that are in my heart. I need to share with him what's going on with me. But the truth is, true intimacy is a two-way street. And so how often do we look at God and go, what do you love? What do you care about? I want to know more about you. It is a two-way street. And I, you know, as I was preparing for this, I was challenged because a couple of weeks ago I, I started looking at, you know, what does intimacy with God look like? And, and I realized that my own relationship with the Lord had become, well, a checklist. I, I had, writ, you know, done my reading, check. I'd written something in the journal, check. Okay, that's done. Now I can get on to my real life. You know, if I did that with my husband, we're going to go on a date, and I, I'm going through the motions, like, okay, we're having dinner. What do you have to say? Okay, check. All right, let's go and do this next thing. Check. I, I know he wouldn't deal with that very well. <laughs> Sometimes he says, put your phone away. So how often do we do that, you know, in a relationship? When you spend time with someone, is your mind somewhere else? Are you always wondering, you know, oh, well, I need to get to this, or I, I really need to, you know, are you thinking about other things, or are you really concentrating and focusing on the one you're with? And so I was really challenged by that. And so, um, so when I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. I'm telling myself, remember, this, this relationship is not just a one-way street. It is, it is two-way. So in, in that intimacy, the Bible is very specific in who you need to be intimate with. And that is, the first is with the Father and the Son. In 1 John 1, 3, it says, What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. So we want to have fellowship with the Father and the Son. But we also want to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 2, 1 through 2, it says, sorry, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, fulfill my joy that you may be like-minded, having the same love of one accord of one mind. So we want to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And we also want to have fellowship with each other. And in 1 John 1, 7, it says, But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We treasure each one of those relationships. And they need to be intimate relationships where we know each other and we are known by one another. So what does it look like? Um, I, as I was preparing, the, the best picture that I, one of the pictures, you can find lots of them, 
but the one that I picked was Psalm 63, which is a psalm that David wrote. And David, we know in the Bible, had a really close relationship with the Lord. Even, even in his, in his um, <sighs> missteps, he still had a relationship with the Lord. And in Psalm 63, 1 through 8, it starts with, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. You know, the first thing he did was say, I earnestly search for you. You know, that'd be the first step. I earnestly am looking for you. Earnestly. I'm going after it. And then he says, my whole body longs for you. You know, I, I don't know that I've attained that yet. I'm working on it. I want to know what does that look like? What does that feel like to have my whole body just longing for the Lord? And it goes on in verse 2 and says, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. You know, I, will, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed on your power and glory. That's what we did this morning in worship. You know, my, when I first heard Carrie um, sharing this morning, I thought, wow, God, she's preaching my message. Yeah. You know, she's saying it for me. That's what we're doing. We're looking at God. What is it that you love? What is it that you're like? We look to him. And then he says, you satisfy me. You know, when you look to God and you are satisfied by him, it brings an everlasting peace. And that peace sustains you through all kinds of situations. But that is the later point. And then it continues. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night, because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. I lie awake thinking on you. You know, I, I have done that lots of times. But if I'm really honest... It's mostly when I'm in trouble. I lie awake thinking about God when life's a mess. But I don't always lie awake and think about God when my life's going pretty well. That becomes a problem. Yeah. And <clears throat> because what happens is you don't have the opportunity to build that relationship and, and draw from that relationship when t trouble comes and you get this misconception or at least i did of who god was or you know I, I go to him when i'm in trouble and he doesn't answer my prayer so he must not be faithful or i go to him when when i think things should go a certain way and they don't happen that way and so i think i can't trust him but if i go to him and i build that foundation i learn who he is and what he does you know, you can still have, you can still, if you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, rose the third day, and is in heaven waiting for you, 
God loves you and is going to take you. You're, you're his. You're called by his name. You don't have to do anything more. But there is so much more. There is so much more. So this is an invitation to cling to God. You know, I, um, I hate to say this, but the f- first way too many years of my Christian walk, I knew a lot of people really well, had relationships that were close and intimate with people, but not with the Lord. And Laura Shockley being one of them, I remember when times would come that were trouble or hard, my first response was to pick up the phone and call Laura because I'm in trouble and I don't know what to do. And she would pray with me and, and she's amazing. But my first response should have been going to God. But I didn't have that relationship with him. I, I, I had this, this idea of who he was based off what everybody else told me, but not firsthand knowledge. But I knew Laura because I knew her. I talked to her. I listened to her heart. I heard her troubles. She heard mine. She poured into me. So it was easy to go to her. But it wasn't easy to go to God because I didn't know him. So that's why we do it. Another reason we want to make sure we do have a relationship with him is that we don't fall into religion. You know, you could, be a, you could have a Sunday-only relationship with the Lord. I did. I, I, I'm sure I was saved. I was kind of a mess. Well, no, I was a mess. But I also was heard... I said a lot of things because I knew stuff. I knew what was right and what was wrong. I knew how to make judgments about other people. I knew, you know, when people were making mistakes. I I knew a lot. I I really did. I mean, I'd heard it all from the pulpit so I could, you know, but I didn't know God's heart. You know, The Bible had a couple of, there's a story in the Bible. Yeah, uh, well, first of all, in John 16, Jesus says to them, to his disciples, for you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. You know, the religious leaders of the day, we can look back 2,000 years later and go, oh my gosh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were terrible. Oh my gosh, they were terrible. But at the time, I'm sure the disciples kind of looked at them and went, uh, Jesus? They're the leaders. Like, they know stuff. They know more than we do. They, they know the Bible. They know, you know, the scriptures. But they didn't know God. We can be Sunday Christians. We can learn a lot about him and not know him. And we can become those judgmental Pharisees. I, I've done it. I've been there. And forget about what it is that Jesus had said before that, 
which was love one another. Love one another. Because I loved you. Having a relationship with God helps you to learn where his love is and what it looks like so that you can love others. You know, he goes on and, and probably, you know, he rocked a lot of boats, especially with the Pharisees. And I remember knowing right from wrong and telling people and thinking I was totally fine in saying that. And um, in Luke, Jesus talks about the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee is in, church, in, in the temple and he's like, uh, you know, he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not a robber, an evildoer, an adulterer. I'm not even a tax collector, which was pretty bad. I fast twice a week. I only have to fast once. And I give a tenth of all I have. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He, he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And in the Old Testament, when they did that, it was like a declaration to those around them that they were a sinner. And he said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other one, went home justified before God. Probably rocked their world. Wait a second, the religious leaders are not okay? They got no love. They don't have his heart. They have his rules. They understand the rights and wrongs and they know how to judge, but they don't know how to love. In Luke 6, Jesus says, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? He talks an awful lot about love. So that would be one reason why we should do it. <laughs> you know, we, we, uh, we want a relationship with Jesus. You know, we don't want the rule book. We don't want the Sunday-only experience. We actually want a relationship with him. At least he wants one with you. That's what the whole book was designed for, is so that you would have a relationship with him. But it also brings transformation. And in Ephesians 4, 3, it says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Unity in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. This will continue if you continue to be unified with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. You will grow up. Thank you, God, that I grew up. You know? Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Laura, for not throwing me out. I, you know? I mean, wow. And he goes on and says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced by people who try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. You know, the former me was tossed and blown around 
You know, I was immature. I was tossed and blown by everything that, that happened because I didn't have that relationship. And I, and I was influenced by whatever thing I heard, you know? You hear, you know, hear some teaching on some podcast and you're like, oh, well, that's what we must, oh, that's what we must do. Because I was so into the rules, you know? I hear a new rule and I'd, I'd find a way to apply it. Oh, you know, here's a revelation. It's a new rule. Here's another revelation. Here's a new rule. It's not like that. We want to be transformed, not just enforce the rules. I don't want to be a Pharisee. And it continues, instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. We will grow and be more like Christ. You know, I had my um, granddaughter Hannah with me this weekend. She was, she was here all weekend. Um, she's eight and a half. And um, we went, we, <laughs> just a little note about grandchildren. They tell you what we're going to do, and then you do it. Um, so we did a lot of playing. We, she made crowns for all of us, which was very cool. Um, my grandpa's crown was a little bit nicer than my crown, but mine was still beautiful. Um, and we went swimming, and while we were swimming, it was... Grandma, watch this. What you guys are gonna rate me? You're gonna you're gonna say ten, nine. You know, you're gonna give me a score. And and Grandpa, you're gonna do this too. And then she'd swim and she'd tell us, see, I was doing a, a meditation pose or I was doing a mermaid. And and so we were watching her and we were scoring her. And and then she would jump off the diving board and do something else. And and I was so struck by. There's nothing wrong with the eight-year-old telling us everything how much of that do we do with God and you know what he I loved every minute of it I loved letting her tell me all of the things I loved watching her I loved spending time with her I loved loved every minute of it but she didn't ask me questions about me because she's eight I mean you know it's like, yeah, Grandma, what, what? You know, she's, she's focused on her. And that's a right thing. And in the church, when somebody comes in and they're first time and they're new and they're learning, it is all about them. But at some point, we need to grow up. And it needs to stop being about well, what about me, God, 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 God. And what about you? What breaks your heart, God? Where, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What do you see in my life? Where do you want me to change? And it goes on and says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Carefully determine 
what pleases the Lord. Get to know who God is. What is he saying? I, uh, you know, I was, I told you that I, as I was preparing for this, I realized that um, my daily reading had become my checklist and I hadn't really let him speak to me. And I had a, a situation going on in my life and um, been struggling with it and, and, and uh, I got with a person about it and, and I left this appointment just trying to figure out like what, what, is, this, what is this thing that's going on that, that I can't just figure out. And, and immediately God showed me a picture. And it was a picture of a time when I was, I was 17 years old. And, um, and I was in this place and I was not saved. And I was, I was in a really, really crummy state. I was, um, it was bad. It was, uh, it was dark and ugly and, and not nice at all. And so I was like, okay, God, what do I want to do here? And so I got together with someone here at church. And, and I know I'm not preaching on restoration, but here you go. Um, so we have a ministry called Healing and Restoration where you can, you know, God just wants to heal your heart. And um, so I got together with this person, and, and so we were praying, and I just, I just said, well, you know, what I saw was this place where I'm just so ashamed of what I was, like who I was, what I was doing, and it was, it was awful, and there was a specific room, and, and I could just see it all vividly. And so I just asked, I just said, okay, Jesus, you know, you're, you said you were always with me. Where were you? And I could see him on the other side of the room. And I re remember my first thought was to go like this. Like, don't look at me. Don't see what I'm doing. And then, uh, and then it was like, nope, it's time to look at him. And you know, Jesus looked at me with love. There was no shame. <laughs> like, if I'd seen me, I was ashamed. You know, my, my face was ashamed. Like, oh, that is shameful. How could you do that? And his was not. His was love. And my, 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 my heart was like, okay, well, I know Jesus loves me. I sang the song when I was seven, you know. <laughs> Jesus loves me. Okay, so that's fine. But what about the father? Because he's that big scary guy. He's that you know, sitting on the judgment seat guy, you know, fire and white hair, the whole thing, that's scary. And so I was like, okay, here I go, my scared little self. God, where are you? And he came in the room and he, he obliterated the room and he picked me up and said, I want to rescue you. I've always wanted to rescue you. That's my God. Is that your God? Do you know that? Do you know that here? That doesn't matter. Do you know that here? Do you know that here? That's what he wants you to know. He wants you to know not about him. He wants you to know him. 
So how do you do it? How do you get to know him? Well, you start by reading his word. You start by reading his word. <laughs> I need to back up. You know, we sang all these songs this morning. The worship songs were, I didn't talk to Carrie. Carrie didn't know what I was preaching. I didn't know what she was singing. I was buried beneath my shame. Your freedom is that all I know. You know, I was buried beneath that shame. And God set me free. I ran out of that tomb. I ran out of that grave. That kind of freedom, that kind of freedom, that kind of freedom, that's what people need to know. Now we're extending the kingdom, sorry. But that's what people need to know. I don't know what your testimony is. If you don't have a testimony of what God said to you or what he spoke to your heart, you need to get one. Because that reaches people. That speaks to their heart. That changes things. So we start by reading our word and not checking it off the list. We read it and we say, okay, God, I want to know you. And you read. And then you write it down in the journal. Oh, he said this to me. This is what, this is what I, this thing was highlighted to me. Worshiping. And you're worshiping and you're really, really not focused on, okay, I have to cook dinner because so-and-so's coming over. Not that. Really, God in heaven, what, you know, I want to praise you. I want your thoughts that are higher than my thoughts. You're worshiping him. You're speaking out those things and you're telling your soul this is the truth about who my God is. You're speaking to yourself as you're speaking to him. Soaking. I don't know what soaking is for you guys, but soaking for me is worship music playing and me in a comfortable spot and just letting the words wash over me. Those truths that God wants to say. Rhema word. Getting a rhema word is a great opportunity for you to hear from the Lord through somebody else. We have it here on Sunday mornings. They only do one or two. If you've never had it done, you need to go up and get a rhema word. If, you, if it's been a long time, you need to go up. And if there's no line, you need to go up. Rhema is so powerful, but it does not take the place of you hearing from God yourself. I put these in an order because you need to hear from the Lord yourself. And then podcasts and teachings are fabulous and reading other books are really good but we need to hear from him first and all the other things just add to it and and make it fuller and better but as much as i would love to eat on dessert all day long i still need protein your protein is the bible your protein is god himself the dessert is at the end. Yeah. 